This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you. And for a while now, there has been a lot of charged language, we'll call it, but really it's sexist language going on at the state capitol, particularly with how uh, lawmakers, some members of the GOP, refer to our governor, a female governor, Gretchen Whitmer. And this is something that seems to have really ramped up recently. Uh, The one example that I keep coming back to is a lawmaker who during a speech said that the governor was emasculating him and others. Uh, Jake, what is something that's really stuck out to you as we've been listening sort of over and over to these incidents happening? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's just a a noticeable pattern that happens over and over, and it's been going on ever since Gretchen Whitmer became governor, but it's definitely seemed like it's become more prevalent recently, and especially uh, in her response to the COVID pandemic. And so we really wanted to bring in someone who's been watching this, uh, who's been at the Capitol. Lauren Gibbons is a political reporter with MLive. Lauren, welcome back to Mishmash. Hey, thanks for having me. Lauren, you had an interesting article recently about how this use of language has an impact on voters. Walk us through that. Yeah, so um, I I recently uh, interviewed the executive director of the Barbalee Family Foundation, which focuses uh, a lot on, you know, women in politics and researches how sexism is perceived by voters. And I was actually really interesting because they found a majority of likely voters are you know, starting to believe that it's important for candidates and elected officials who face sexist incidents to speak out about them. And in Michigan, that's particularly interesting because, like most of the country, we've started to see more women getting elected. But in Michigan, uh, we saw the governor, the secretary of state and the attorney general, all three statewide positions at the same time were filled by women. And so the conversations that are happening now about sexism are kind of taking center stage in Michigan because we have seen uh, so many women rise to these uh, very high profile positions. And Lauren, talk about why average people who aren't at the Capitol, who maybe don't pay so much attention, why does this matter to them? I mean, what? how does this affect the very policies that are being debated at the state capitol. Um, you know, if, if someone, again, isn't in the middle of this, uh, why should they be paying attention to this? You know, I think the basic thing to be paying attention to is that these conversations are distracting from very important policy discussions. I think that everyone would prefer to be hearing about, you know, what's happening with the state budget or what is going on um, at so many different arenas, the pandemic response, uh, there, there's a lot to be discussed. There's a lot to be debated over what is the appropriate path moving forward. Um, and in a lot of these situations, if this language is used, if it's being perceived as sexist, um, it's distracting from the conversation that lawmakers were trying to have in the first place. Lauren, Jake and I mentioned earlier that this is something that we feel has sort of started to ramp up. I mean, it's it's always kind of been there uh, sort of under the surface. But with the pandemic, it seems to have kind of ramped up. Is Has there been a point where you feel that this has started to get more serious? Are there any incidents that kind of stand out to you? You know, I think that um, we saw the conversation about Senator Shirky's comments, seeing, uh, for example, the Michigan Women's Commission come out and say, you know, it's not appropriate for the Senate Majority Leader to talk about engaging in a fistfight with the governor or use the word spanked in referring to 
policy conversations. I think that was the most high profile conversation about sexism in politics we've had as a state recently. However, um, you know, as you said, I think having female executives uh, at all three statewide elected positions has also um, kind of brought it to the fore. These women are all in the national spotlight frequently. I think, you know, of course, Governor Whitmer um, leading the state of Michigan through the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, there was a kidnapping plot against her, a foiled kidnapping plot against her, for example. A lot of gendered rhetoric around her response to COVID-19. But I think that having women who are making these high-profile decisions has come with an additional sort of sexist or gendered language that you may not have seen if a man was in that role. So in the wake of some of this, I've noticed a trend of people uh, inside, maybe outside the legislature as well, uh, downplaying a lot of the language. Uh, you know, there was one comment uh, Shana mentioned at the top, a uh, male uh, GOP senator who was talking about being emasculated uh, and then not just, uh, you know, several days later, then uh, talking about feeling neutered uh, in the same uh, context, basically. And the reaction I noticed was denying that there was anything wrong with that. And I think that the 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 idea was taking away the context, taking away the history of these kinds of comments at the state capitol that, you know, it seems like there's there is um, some perception, especially among uh, conservative males uh, that I've noticed that would say there's nothing wrong with this kind of language. So, Lauren, if you could talk a little bit about those perceptions and how they differ uh, among people and, um, and expand on that a little bit. Yeah, I think um, actually uh, the national research uh, put out by the Barbara Lee Fandy Foundation kind of touched on this, that people have different perceptions of what language means and how language is perceived based on their own uh, personal experience. So if someone has experienced, um, you know, comments that uh, that are many would deem sexist. If someone has had an experience with sexism, they're a lot more likely to hear language like that and think, wow, that is not necessarily something I would consider appropriate. Um, and so it really kind of depends on the vote or 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 it kind of just depends on the individual um, on how that language is perceived. So. You know, if someone is using this language and is saying, well, I didn't mean it that way, that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's not going to take it as a sexist remark. Um, and I think that that uh, does reflect a lot on, you know, individual backgrounds and experiences and, you know, the need to hear from a variety of sources on particular issues, um, because what one person perceives as totally fine or something I would say any day of the week could uh, could be considered by another person as inappropriate, something that shouldn't be said in relation to a woman executive. So it is, um, you know, the, it's when there's so many different perceptions of how language is of how language is used and how people feel about the language. I think sometimes um, it's easy to kind of 
get lost in that and get lost in, you know, was it sexist? Was it intended to be sexist? Whereas, you know, some people do perceive it that way. Lauren, you had mentioned that, you know, one of the problems with with this stuff happening is that it kind of gets in the way of of policymaking and of getting things done. I'm curious, have you spoken with female lawmakers and gotten their take on, you know, just how they're dealing with this? And has anybody really spoken out about it, like on the House or Senate floor? You know, I think you are hearing from a lot of women lawmakers who, um, who are responding. Um, and I think are, you know, uh, I guess some have expressed some frustration that they, you know, keep having to responding to instances like this, but, um, you have heard from a number of, uh, you have heard from a number of women lawmakers on the floor and in other cop comments, uh, for example, Representative Pohutsky chairs the Progressive uh, Women's Caucus in the legislature. She's been pretty outspoken about this. Um, and, and a number of other lawmakers have also, you know, said, hey, maybe we should think a little bit about, um, you know, these comments and whether or not they're appropriate. So I think you're hearing from a lot of women who are serving in the legislature, especially on the Democratic side, um, that they are not a fan of these comments continuing to come up. So, Lauren, talk a little bit about how this is affecting relationships in Lansing, especially between, let's say, the Senate Majority Leader, Republican Mike Shirky, who has been one of the sources of this kind of language repeatedly. Um, How is it affecting his relationship with the governor and other relationships in Lansing? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, when it comes to the relationship with the governor, it's chilly. Um, that there have been instances in the past, um, I think, for example, he used an expletive, uh, you know, to describe the governor back, uh, before the pandemic. It, there's been other instances and, you know, in the past he's apologized or they've kind of seemed to cross over the bridge. But since the pandemic, I think that there's been less opportunity to make amends, less opportunity to um, you know, repair those relationships, get past. So we're now in a situation where um, the, the governor and the legislature are often at odds on COVID-19, which is, of course, probably the biggest issue that the legislature will face all session. And so I, I don't think that um, I don't think that having these ongoing conversations or seeing these comments pop up um, about the governor is really helping that relationship by any means. Um, I don't think that we've seen the governor um, express an unwillingness to work with the legislature over the comments. She has, you know, said that she's still trying to work with the legislature on a various, on various issues. So I, I don't anticipate her necessarily saying, you know, the relationship is over by any means. Um, And I don't think that that is realistic either, but I certainly don't think that it's helped um, make that Republican and Democrat relationship easier. And, you know, just kind of bouncing off that, you touched on it a little bit, I guess, what has been the governor's response to all of this when this happens? Has she been brushing it off? Has she been engaging with, with it? I guess, how has she been reacting to these incidents when they happen. So the governor has, in response to the most recent comments, she said she, you know, is ready to work with the legislature 
even if uh, members, quote, want to indulge in conspiracy theories or wants to hurl insults. Um, and she's kind of left it at that. She hasn't gotten much further into it. Um, and, you know, some of her surrogates or some of her supporters have stepped out and said, you know, denounced the comments as sexist. Um, but the governor has largely tried to, you know, acknowledge it, but not necessarily um, make I, I don't think that she necessarily wants to um, prolong the conversation uh, based on some of her remarks about the issue. I don't know if there's a clear answer on this yet, but something that I think about often when I am thinking about this issue is if there's a chilling effect, possibly, or just a, a, a message sent to other women who want to run for office and be in positions of power and so forth, the message that is being sent when this is allowed to happen, and especially when it's allowed to happen with no consequences, there haven't been very many specific consequences or punishments when, you know, things like this have happened, when there, when things have come down to actual uh, harassment uh, in the legislature. Uh, it just seems like there's a back and forth and uh, and then it's it's over and we move on to the next thing. Uh, and I wonder what what, sig- what that signals to uh, to to women who want to run for public office. You know, I think that kind of remains to be seen for the next cycles. But in the last several cycles, at least, we have seen Uh, a lot more women running for office and we've seen a lot more women winning on both sides of the aisle. There have been a lot of just a lot more interest from women who maybe never necessarily envisioned uh, a future in politics for themselves. Uh, Many, many women candidates and elected officials say they're inspired to run because of something they see or something in their lives or their communities that are really uh, inspiring them to run for office. And so, you know, moving forward, I don't necessarily think that sexism or the challenges that women face entering politics or any other male dominated field historically those challenges are not necessarily going to go away. But I think what we're seeing now is a willingness by more women candidates, more women public officials, more um, women observers, more more observers, generally speaking, being more willing to talk about this issue uh, candidly. And um, I, I think that that is something that you're starting to see, uh, not just in Michigan, but around the country as more women run. And as more women hold these positions of power, more of these conversations will start to happen. But those conversations weren't happening before. Um, So, you know, there were people in office or there were, you know, women involved in politics, but there wasn't necessarily a space to have conversations about these issues per se. So I think that while, you know, I think certainly some people might not be interested in, you know, facing the challenges that women face uh, when they run for office. I, I do think that overall, when women see other women in office, the research shows that they can picture themselves in those positions for in the future. Lauren Gibbons is a political reporter with MLive. Thank you so much for joining us here on Mishmash. Hey, thanks again for having me. Well, that's all for Mishmash this week. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for tuning in. 